two of uh, the legal show. And uh, top of the hour, always the best time to call 800-520-1KFI. 800-520-1534. Lines, as always, are open. Well, that's not true. Once in a while, lines are not open. But usually, uh, the top of the hour is. So, uh, please feel free. Uh, give us a buzz. Or give me a buzz. Us. The royal we. Give us a buzz. No, it's me. No, we are not amused. You know that one? This is Handle on the Law. Marginal legal advice. Where I, Bill Handle, tell you, insert name here, that you have absolutely no case. Always a pleasure to do that. All right. Uh, oh, story out of Kenya. I mean, I love stories like this. And uh, this one, and I'm surprised uh, that a Kenyan court said no to this. Kenya is one of eight countries that used forced anal exams on suspected homosexuals. In other words, to prove that men are gay and having gay sex, which is illegal in Kenya, uh, the forced anal exam. Let's take a look. Uh, I don't know how valid that is. I mean, I can think of uh, every which way they can be wrong. Uh, but, I mean, it does. It seems a little crazy, doesn't it? Yeah. And, well, do I share a personal story about that? Sure, why not? All right, a few weeks ago, I'm at my doctor's office uh, having a follow-up exam. And he, uh, and uh, normally he figures out, okay, you know, what's going on? So... I stand up and I, you know, now playing with my belt buckle to undo my belt. I go, oh, yeah, it's that time again. He goes, no, no, uh, we don't do that anymore. I go, what are you talking about? You don't do that anymore. First of all, how do you know I've had uh, anal sex or not? You know, gay sex, you won't be able to tell. No, that's an aside. But uh, he said uh, recent studies have shown that there is no difference in terms of mortality rate and in terms of prostate cancer, whether we do it or we don't. So, Bill, I'm not going to do it. And I look at him, and I go, how about my coupon book? What am I going to do about that? Okay. By the way, that one is a true story, and he did laugh. Uh, He's been my doctor for 20 years, so uh, he just chuckled. He goes, all right, Handel, you know, let's, yeah, let's do a blood test or two. Is that okay? Oh. All right, let's let's just do it, okay? Uh, Caesar, hello. Is it Caesar or Caesar? Caesar. Caesar, hello, Caesar. What can I do for you? Hey, Bill. Uh, I live in a single room occupancy, so all the tenants share the showers and restrooms. Uh, there's a tenant right across from uh, the showers. That has obvious surveillance cameras. If I'm standing in the shower, how, now how do you know? How do you know that it's that tenant that has the surveillance equipment uh, right across from the shower? Man- management has their security cameras, which are not facing directly towards the restroom. These are cameras he's installed right out of his, uh, in front of his doorway, in, in front of his door. Uh, but it's in a it's but it's in the hallway, right? Yes, sir. Okay. It's also it's facing right into the restroom. Okay, so uh, I, I'm a little confused here. All right, uh, it's facing. Does it face the door of uh, the bathroom? 
So when you open it up, it can see inside, but when you close uh, the door, it can't see, correct? There's no way that it can uh, it can't record or video what's going on inside the bathroom. No, there's no way he would be able to get the door closed. All right. So uh, what is your question, uh, Caesar? So my question is, uh, is, it, is that legal? Can, can he do that? Well, it's a public place. Uh, so, I mean, you can argue, but... I, I don't understand why the landlord isn't just tossing him out for that, saying, get out of here. You can't do this to my tenants. You know, whether or not it's legal, public place, I mean, you can argue, but, I mean, certainly the police aren't going to come around and order him to take it down. It's a civil matter. Uh, so just, wh- why doesn't the landlord just throw him out? What am I missing here, Caesar? Uh, I have no idea, Bill. Uh, yeah, have you talked to the landlord about this? Uh, yes, I have. Uh, they said it was his personal security cameras. And all right, so uh, what? Is, said, so what does the landlord say? Is he going to continue to allow this guy to video in the hallway as you walk in and out of the bathroom? Uh, yes, sir. You see, the camera is facing directly. If I'm standing inside of the restroom, I could clearly see the camera facing the direction of the restroom. But then you, so but it, okay, restroom, but it, but then you close the door and he can't, and, and the camera can't see, right? Correct. All right. I, you know what? I, it, it, time to get out of there. If the landlord's willing to let him do this, I mean, it is a public place, and the landlord is allowed to have security uh, in the hallway, not into the bathroom, certainly not into the bedroom, but in a public uh, hallway. Yeah, he could. But I don't understand. Why are, are the other tenants complaining also, Caesar? Uh, not that I'm aware of. So nobody cares. You're the only one that cares, and the landlord's okay with this. That's correct. All right, get out. Just, not, that's not get out right this second, as in get out. I'm talking about get out of the place. I mean, that's, really? I mean, can you imagine? All right, John. Uh, hi, John. You're up. Welcome. Uh, howdy. I was pursued by another employer, so for, and for substantial more money. And I quit my job that I've been at 20-plus years and went to work for them. And they got, I guess they didn't get a job they were expecting to get. And after a couple months, they told me they couldn't justify paying me what they were paying me. And they fired me. And I didn't have anything in writing, so I guess you get to tell me I have no case. That's not necessarily true, John, uh, unless they deny that you, that they offered you the job and you went after them. If it's a question of you quit your job and you went after them and they hired you, you don't have much of a case. Uh, but then who's? But but let me give you. Um, uh, let, let me defend you for a moment. Who the hell gets it in writing under those circumstances? Well, you're. I mean, no one. Yeah, I, I mean, no one. When I hire people, uh, I don't. I don't put a formal offer in writing. I mean, I give plenty of paperwork, but it's paperwork that's required. Uh, w two forms and. Uh, procedures manuals they have to sign. I mean, things that uh, we, matter of fact, uh, today it's crazy, the stuff you have to sign. It's like beyond comprehension. We just hired We just hired someone, state of California, we just hired someone. And you know there's a form they have to sign that if they are, uh, if someone is abused at home, they have a right to tell their employer. And must. What is that about? I think they have a right, not must. So uh, I would talk to an employment discrimination attorney to see if you have anything there, John. I mean, it's certainly worth, worth pursuing. You give up a job of 25 years, you're there for two months, and out you go. Now, their defense is going to be, we did it in good faith, we lost the job, 
hired him thinking we had the job. So uh, I I think it's well worth uh, talking to an employment discrimination attorney based on the fact that there's nothing in writing. There's no offer whatsoever. Uh, You have no proof other than you were working at a place for 25 years and your first few paychecks show more money. I mean, yeah, I mean, there's 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 something there. All right, let's take a break. And this is Handle on the Law. All right. Handle here on a Saturday morning right up until 11 o'clock. Leo Laporte from 11 to 2, uh, the Fork Report, 2 to 5. Mo Kelly, 6 to 8 o'clock. Uh, Monique Marvez and Brian Suits ends it tonight from uh, 10 to midnight. 800-520-1KFI, 800-520-1534. Welcome back. Handle on the law, marginal legal advice. All right, Regina. Uh, yes, ma'am. What can I do for you? Hi, um, my name is Regina, and I'm actually calling for my best friend who just recently realized that her name that she was using for years and years and years is not the name on her birth certificate. And she is, she used that, she used this name to, you know, get a marriage license, open up bank accounts. Um, it, it, she's doesn't even know if her marriage license is actually valid because it's not her birth name. And She's now getting divorced, and now she's even wondering. Wait a minute, was my marriage a sham? Or no, I don't think so. I mean, you're, uh, you know, the, the maybe the the marriage certificate, but that's easy. That for sure, there's no fraud. You're allowed to use any name you want as long as it's not for fraudulent purposes. You know, evading creditors, uh, committing uh, fraud, uh, embezzling money, that sort of thing. You're putting your name on bank accounts. Uh, so it really is no harm, no foul. Uh, she may want to. Amend the uh, marriage uh, certificate to to recognize uh, her original name, but it's it's no big deal. She can keep the name she's been using forever. She can. Sure. I mean, there are people, uh, for example, just keep their names, uh, their married names, even after they're divorced, uh, and uh, the courts don't do anything about it. In other words, not even asking for uh, a married name to stay on. Uh, yeah, it's, not, it's really no biggie. Uh, she should so, find out about uh, the marriage certificate. That may be a little bit of an issue, but it's really a no harm, no foul situation, Regina. What about uh, her bank accounts that she's opened? As long up? as as long as uh, uh, she can put any name she wants on a bank account. Again, as long as it's okay. not for fraud. Uh, now it depends on what kind of proof they wanted for the bank account. Uh, driver's license? Okay. Uh, did you get a driver's license a different name? Which you can. Uh, so I don't think it's uh, I don't think it's that big a deal for sure. All right, Kenny. Hi, Kenny. Yes, what can I do for you? Yeah, I have an ADA uh, headache where uh, I have an old building built from the 1940s, and the building is so close to the street. There's no physical way of having any handicapped parking. And I went to the city, and uh, they basically agreed with my assessment. Uh, I uh, was sued by um, like a handicapped person. And oh yeah, one of those. Yeah, one of those scammer uh, law firms. Uh, but you, but you presented the proof that the city gave you a waiver. Is that correct? 
Well, no, the, the city wouldn't say, uh, give me anything in writing. They just said, well, you just really don't have any parking there. But anyway, l- l- to make a long story short, I already paid off that lawsuit, my attorney, all that. And, and in the meantime, uh, I, I had to have a uh, task inspector come by and look at the property. And I said, well, we don't really need to have any um, parking here. Handicapped, he says, well, you do. We put one in, and in the meantime, before we got to the parking spot that's non-conforming installed, another lawsuit comes along. Yeah, because right. yes, because uh, it still was in existence at that time. Exactly. Yeah, yeah. Uh, it's uh, all you're going to be able to do is argue is you paid it off once. Is it the same person, incidentally, who's suing you? No, it's a different person. Same law firm. Different law firm. Different law firm. You know, you can argue. Uh, that it's impossible to have put it in, uh, get any kind of writing with uh, the uh, the city. Here's the problem, uh, Kenny, is when they sued you the second time, you were still in violation. Right. Mm-hmm. So uh, you can get sued 100 times, and if, if it is not in compliance or a waiver isn't given, then they're going to keep on suing you. And it's under the ADA. And uh, how much did you get tagged for? Two, three, four thousand dollars. Oh, first ten thousand dollars. Ten thousand dollars, which is probably statutory. Uh, yeah, I'd get involved with the city and get it in writing. Anything you can, because that's how you're going to defend yourself. Man, that's no fun. Wow, old buildings. Yeah, this is. This, we talked about this before. Uh, this is a scam, where law firms specialize in violations of the ADA. And I am talking about violations, let me give you an example, Uh, a ramp, a disabled ramp going into uh, a restaurant or a business. And you have to have certain degrees. Uh, It can't be more than X number of degrees, 6% degree or 4%, whatever it is. If it's off a quarter of a degree, there's a lawsuit. Restrooms that have to be uh, handicap capable. I love that. Uh, handicapable because there's no such thing as really any handicapped person, uh, but they have to be modified and make sure that um, uh, you're in compliance. So here's what happened. Someone goes in in a wheelchair, takes out a tape measure, sees how far up the window is from the floor, half an inch off, half an inch too high, lawsuit, violation of the ADA. I mean, it truly is that crazy. I mean, just like beyond belief. Welcome to, this is why people hate lawyers. This is why, see, I have no self-esteem. I have a lot of self-hatred because I'm a lawyer. So what does that tell you? How many people actually like lawyers? Uh, hands. Let me show you. Let me, well, no, that's radio. I can't see. All right. This is Handle on the Law. I want to wake up where your love is because you're On a uh, Saturday morning, 800-520-1KFI, 800-520-1534. Here we go. More handle on the law, marginal legal advice. All right, Jade. Uh, Hi, Jade. Welcome. What can I do for you? Um, We have a business that requires errors and emissions insurance. So we purchased it and we paid our premiums for like four or five years. Then all of a sudden we got a a message, an email from the owner of the insurance company 
saying we hadn't been insured at any time during that time because the agent that was working for him was taking our premiums and I guess putting them in a separate account and we in fact were not insured. Um, we didn't have any any lawsuits, but um, I feel that we shouldn't have to pay those premiums. Oh, I agree. No, I I, no, I agree with you because you were paying money for no insurance. Yeah, but he says because there was no damages. Oh no, you still paid. You still paid for no insurance. Yes, that's okay. True. That's the problem. He accepted your money, and there was no, uh, there was nothing there. He offered you nothing. But and, he said he was duped by his agent. But it's his agent. That's his problem. Thank you. That's okay. his problem. How much money did you pay over the uh, past four or five years? Twenty-five thousand. There's your lawsuit. Okay. And All I'm right. will, and I'm willing to bet. Did you have a contract for insurance? Yes, we had policies okay. and everything. All right. If you look at uh, the contract that you signed, uh, that he in fact signed, probably. Yes. Uh, then you'll see a prevailing attorney's fees clause in there that he'll be responsible for both uh, uh, his attorney's fees and yours. So you want to oh, take great. take this to a civil lawyer because there's a lawsuit there. Absolutely. Isn't that special? Oh, uh, Anne, having some pretty good ones today. Hello, Anne. Welcome. Yes, thank you. Um, the Department of Water and Power was doing a street repair after they had dug up the street and fixed whatever it was. They were doing a street repair, and uh, while they were finishing up on that, they backed into private property off-street parking with really heavy equipment uh, that um, ended up damaging the uh, parking pad so that it's no longer usable for cars. Okay. Is, is yeah, there yeah, yeah. There is. How much? Any idea how much going to cost to repair that? Well, because there's a retaining wall involved, uh, the quotes are like thirty thousand dollars. All right. First, huh. yeah, absolutely. So the property owner uh, first makes a claim with the DWP for the damage. Yeah. Damage uh-huh. being uh, here's now. here's a bid, et cetera. Because you have to do that within six months. Uh, the DWP is going to say, uh, uh-uh, uh, not interested. We're not going to pay it. Right. And then a lawsuit has to hit. There's nothing more you can do. Right. I mean, they're going to say no. You have to go through the appeals process. Uh, general rule of law, if there is an administrative issue involved, you're dealing with administrative a- agency, which this is, uh-huh. you have to exhaust all of your appeals. You have to go through all of your administrative rem- uh, remedies. So there may be two, three levels of appeals of which you'll lose everyone. And then you get to file a lawsuit. The landlord gets to file a lawsuit against a DWP. That's how it works. Uh, okay, but um, well, it's already it's already to that point. And their reply was that there were already cracks in it. Yeah, no, I get it. Of course, and, they're going to say that. Of course, they're going to say no. It wasn't permitted. Yeah, which it wasn't. But it's been there for thirty-five years, working oh, fine. Okay, now there's a defense. This was never permitted. All right. And the fact that no one caught it for 35 years, then you get to argue there's waiver because it had been there for so long that uh, you can not argue that it wasn't permitted. So uh, there are some arguments. There's some arguments they have. I wish you would have thrown that in the, in the beginning. And I would have said, OK, something else is going on here. But uh, that's what happens in a court of law. Mm-hmm. Their defense is not, no longer permitted. The damages aren't thirty thousand dollars. You're going to say uh, they, this has been going on for 35 years. It's out in public. It's not as if the DWP couldn't see it. Mm-hmm. And uh, here are the damages. Thank you very much. You'll see what a judge has to say about that. Uh, and it could be it's forced to go arbitration. 
And I don't know, uh, I don't know, I've never uh, made a claim against EWP. Actually, I have once when there was a surge, a power surge, and it took out uh, computer equipment. I mean, wiped out uh, my home computer, made a claim, they paid it. You know, $2,500, $3,000, they wrote a check based on a claim. So somebody was obviously running a fever at the DWP that day and just wanted to get rid of it. Oh, I don't know. I feel terrible. Oh, my God. Oh, yeah, fine. I'll pay you. Leave me alone because it's not his money. Jack. Hi, Jack. You're up. Welcome to Handle on the Law. Hi, Bill. Uh, yes, uh, I'm a 65-year-old widower. Uh, I have uh, three properties that are completely paid off. I've got two defined benefit uh, pensions and SSI, which expire when I die. And uh, I'm uh, involved with a lady that would like to get married. And I'm just, I, I got some of my information from one lawyer that said that because everything's paid off, I'm not making any payments on anything, that I really don't need to protect myself with a prenup. Right. All right. And you want to know which way to go? Uh, yeah, because, you know, women don't regard a prenuptial as a very Well, I mean, they, yeah, they may not regard yeah. it as, so you have, you're 65 and uh, you are now uh, involved with someone who wants to get married. Uh, mm-hmm. d- by the way, did you throw her her 21st birthday party the last couple of months? <laughs> no. No? Okay. All right. Her 25th birthday party. All right. No, here's, no. here's she, what. She's, okay. she's a little older than that. Got yeah. it. All right. Here is what the, the lawyer is telling you, and it's good advice. Uh, in both lawyers, I'm, now it depends on how safe you want to be. And number one, it is separate property. Uh, in the end, that she's not going to be able to go after anything because you're coming into the mess- uh, into the marriage with all separate property. But a prenup is just uh, another lock. It's a secondary lock on it. And you can uh, ask her, you have to sign a prenup and tell her, uh, by the way, sweetheart, I don't know if you call her sweetheart. Uh, by the way, uh, it's my property anyway. But oh, I want okay. you to make it would make <clears throat> me feel better if we signed a prenup. And are you going after my money? And if not, uh, you're going to sign the prenup. And if she says absolutely not, well, then you have to think why. Because there's no harm, no foul for her to sign it either. Because she has no legal right to any of your property in the event of a divorce. Yeah. Yeah, because I was just wondering, you know, the property tax is like 7000 a year, and after we get married, theoretically, she's paying half of that property yeah, tax. Yeah, she can right? make an argument. She can make an, uh, an argument, but not much of one. Okay. Not much of one. So, uh, but get a prenup anyway. Doesn't hurt. Yeah. Doesn't hurt. And then uh, let's assume I get a uh, equity line of credit. I used to have one, and uh, I like to have one of those in case something comes up or I need a, a good chunk of money. And then uh, that's a different story, right? If I well, no, no. Off- if you pay, if you pay off a credit, uh, a uh, equity line of credit with community assets, I mean, she has some conversation about she gets the money back, but it's half. Uh, it still wouldn't fly uh, because it's not equity. You're building, you're borrowing money. Uh, yeah. it, you're not building any equity. You're simply borrowing to do whatever you want. Now, if you used an equity line of credit to enhance the home, to remodel, she has some argument, but really not very much. Yeah. Get a prenup. Yeah, get a prenup. It's just easier. Uh, and that just becomes a double safety uh, feature. That's all. Oh, uh, Dennis. Hi, Dennis. 
Yeah, I, I, my question is, is how would a person obtain a copy of the will after the death of someone and who the attorney was who All right. prepared it? Now, that's an easy one. You, it's a will and not a trust. You're sure of that, right? I'm, to my understanding, it's a will. Okay, good for you that it's a will. Do you know the county in which the dead person died in? Yes. All right. It's a public document, the will. It's been filed in that county. You can look it up. It's a public document. The estate of dead person. Although there are a lot of people named dead people, but uh, it's just, it's an easy one. Just uh, look it up. Just go on the internet and you look at county records and it's right there. Trustees are there. Uh, deeds, uh, you know, transfer of property. That's all there. Tax rolls are there. Marriages are there. Death certificates are there. They're all filed. As are wills. Now, a trust is a different animal because a trust bypasses any of that recording. And then there beca- then it becomes a little bit of an issue. Then it's a question of hiring a private investigator. If you think, making a demand on who you think the trustee is. And if the trustee says, oh, no, 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 you're out of uh, the trust. And it turns out that you are not out, that you are in the trust. That trustee has a world of hurt going on. All right, uh, tax season is here. Oh, yeah, and identity thieves are at it again. And according to the IRS, they're filing fake returns with stolen personal information. Matter of fact, my daughter just got a letter from the IRS saying, we think someone's used your social to file a tax return. Okay, now what a mess. However, we have LifeLock. And we're all vulnerable. Uh, The Southwest, incidentally, is a particularly bad region for identity theft. Nevada being the worst state. So uh, we have LifeLock, and with LifeLock, boy, that makes it so much easier. LifeLock Identity Theft Protection adds the power of Norton Security to help protect you against threats to your identity and your devices that you can't easily see or fix on your own. Uh, Because the weak link is where these cockroaches get in. Now, no one can stop all identity theft or uh, prevent all uh, businesses or stop every cyber threat or monitor every transaction, every business. But LifeLock, years. And they're going to help. Uh, and LifeLock with Norton Security now is better than it's ever been. Call 800-LIFELOCK, promo code HANDLE for 10% off. 800-LIFELOCK, promo code HANDLE, or visit LifeLock.com, promo code HANDLE. This is Handle on the Law. KFI Handle here on a uh, Saturday morning, 800-520-1KFI, 800-520-1534. More Handle on uh, the law, marginal legal advice. Uh, Hello, Art. Are you there? Yes, sir. Yeah, I'm here. My question is, uh, I uh, I work for a uh, for a federal agency. Uh, I am a disabled veteran, and uh, I I uh, I picked up some charges assault with a deadly weapon, because uh, I don't know whatever reason. But uh, I picked them up. Whoa, 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 wait! Um, whatever reason uh, you took, a, well, you used a weapon in, uh, well, in an what assault. It was, what it was, sir? What it was? Yes. What it was is uh, I came home. My daughter had her boyfriend in the house, which I had never, ever met before. And I thought somebody broke in my house, so I, I grabbed the gun, thinking somebody was in the house. And I uh, we got into a confrontation. I, I beat him up. 
I ended up uh, taking a deal for assault with a deadly weapon mm. to get it over with. Okay. Uh, now, uh, my my employer, they were aware of the situation from day one. I told them what was going on. They were they were all super supportive of it. They said, you know what, don't worry. Uh, once you get it over with, uh, I ended up having to go to jail for six months. They, they, they told me, hey, you know what, don't worry about it. When you get out, your job is still here. Um, and then uh, when I got out, I applied for everything, like the way I'm supposed to do it. Uh, everybody from my immediate supervisor all the way up to the chief of staff uh, wants me back on board. Uh, the HR chief is just saying that uh, pretty much he doesn't want to give it to me because he doesn't like he doesn't like people like me. It, All right. Well, okay. So here is uh, I think here are the issues involved. Uh, it depends on who actually has the pencil, who can make that decision, and who can say no. So when you uh, you went to jail, you lost your job, right? And they're telling you reapply. Is that correct? I. I I did not lose it, sir. I uh, I resigned so I wouldn't get fired. All right. So you, yeah, well, you lost yeah. your job, whether it's you, whether it's your decision or whether you were tossed out. So you had no yeah. job and now you're applying again for a job with a record. And yes, the sir. fact that you have everybody up to, I think, the division chief, as uh, you indicated, want you back and HR saying no. Number one, it depends on the rules. And if it's uh, if the if if they're given discretion and can hire you, that's a good thing. Uh, but it, who decides whether to hire you? Does HR have the ability to say no, or can uh, the division chief override uh, HR's concerns? And that's real simple. You have to uh, just ask that question. And right, if and right. if the HR okay. people have the ability to say nah. Uh, you're done. Or the rules are that you can't get hired if you're a felon. What is the job? Right, which, what is the job, Art? I work for the Department of Veteran Affairs, and uh, you can get hired as a felon there. Okay. And, so so far, so and, good. So then it's a question. And, uh, I'm sorry. Go ahead. Then, then it's simply a question of division chief calling HR and saying, I want this guy. Right. And he's done that. And everybody, and uh, he's done that. Everybody's gone to bat for me. Uh, this guy, for some reason, just I, I feel that he has it out for me. Yeah, he may. Like he I may. Said, but has but does he have the power to override a division chief's decision? That's it. There's the question. Okay. And you okay. get and you get to find that out. Uh, okay. All right. Thank you. All right. Oh, how come I can't uh, hang up on you? I have uh, no idea. All right, uh, Mark. We'll take one more for the end of the hour. Hi, Mark. Hello. How are you? Yes, sir. What can I do for you? Um, so my mother passed away uh, about a year ago, and my older brother has been uh, designated the trustee. Um, there was a, a motorhome that was uh, sold, and um, that um, those uh, monies, I guess, are supposed to be distributed uh, distributed amongst the the siblings and every everyone that's named in the in the trust. Um, but there are other things outside of the trust, such as like a bank account, a savings account, um, a CalPERS. How are they held? Uh, how are how are they held? That your mom just owned them? I'm sorry. The, they, um, how are they yeah. held? Did your mom just own those accounts and not they were not put in the trust? That's correct. Okay, I don't even think uh, you can put a retirement fund in the trust. Maybe you can. I'm trying to remember. All right, so uh, you so you have brother who's a trustee that's not cutting loose with the information, much less the money, right? 
That's correct. He's not providing us with any information. All right, time to get a lawyer, trust an estate lawyer, to write a letter to trustee brother and say, and say you're about to buy the store on this one. Okay. Uh, because if we have to file a lawsuit and you've breached your fiduciary duty, man, there are sanctions all over the place. How many of you, okay. uh, how many brothers are there? How many siblings? We're a total of four. Okay. And how much money are we talking about that you're looking at? Um, well, that's the thing. There was a, um, a property that was sold uh, two, about three years ago. And, um, and, and from that property, she bought um, a motorhome. And so um, it doesn't matter how much probably, money we how much money you're looking at total that you that should I'm, be split. I'm, up? I'm thinking it's probably a, uh, maybe close to three hundred thousand. That's worth uh, hiring a lawyer for a couple of hours, especially if you're splitting it up four ways. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, okay. absolutely. Oh, God. Yeah. You absolutely want to do that. This is handle on the law. KFI handle here on a uh, Saturday morning, right up until 11 o'clock. And right after this show, uh, Leo Laporte, the tech guy, at 2 o'clock, uh, the Fork Report, all things food. Mo Kelly from 6 to 8, uh, Monique Marvez, 8 to 10, and then Brian Suits, 10 to uh, midnight tonight. Tomorrow morning, 5 to 6, Elizabeth Espinoza, and then Jesus Christ. From 6 to 9, and uh, the the newest show we have here on KFI, Home, with uh, Dean Sharp, the House Whisperer. 800-520-1534. This is Handle on the Law, Marginal Legal Advice. All right, a case out of Seattle, and uh, it's a discrimination case, which is kind of interesting. And there is a law in Seattle and it is called the first come first served uh, law for renters. So, because there is discrimination out there, and people can discriminate. I mean, the reality is uh, that a landlord can't blatantly discriminate against uh, a religion or someone of a different ethnicity or gender, and. For example, you you can't uh, two guys come up and want to rent. Yeah, we ain't going to help it. We ain't going to rent to those queers. All right, you say that, you're in trouble. But if you simply choose someone else and don't say anything and you happen to be anti-gay, but you don't say anything, you just choose someone else because you want to choose someone else. Well, according to Seattle, you can't do that anymore. Landlords cannot go with their gut. If there is a qualified renter walking in the door, that renter gets to rent. And uh, the ruling, uh, incidentally, which uh, said uh, landlords are able to go with their gut. You can't stop them. This is their right. They can rent to whoever they want. They cannot discriminate on race, religion, ethnicity, gender, sexual orientation, that sort of thing. That they can't, although the reality is is there's all kinds of discrimination out there. You just have to be a little more subtle about it. And the only way around it to show there is no discrimination is to have laws like first served, first come, first served. Well, landlords are going, come on, really? Do we have no control over who we want to rent? Granted, we can't discriminate on those big five, but we can't even use our gut feeling 
someone comes in, throws down a uh, application with a deposit, and a day later someone comes in, throws down an application with a deposit. Both are qualified. Both meet the criterion. And you just like that second group better. You feel better about them. Yeah. Because you sort of have a feeling that it's these are people that, especially if you live in the building, can't choose your neighbors anymore. So a judge overturned that first come, first serve law. And now we have, of course, uh, the folks who are, uh, I guess, civil libertarians, the ACLU crowd, although this one is uh, Columbia Legal Services, which pushed for the city council to first adopt the law, the first come, first serve law. And uh, the uh, Amon, who is uh, Murph Amon, why not? What a great name. Saying, by allowing landlords to go with their gut, the ruling restores opportunity for discrimination and hurts people who are low-income, people of color, people with disabilities, people who are gay, lesbian, transgender, and bisexual. Can you do that? I think you can do that all in one fell swoop. Can a person be gay, lesbian, transgender, and bisexual all at the same time? I think so. I'm throwing the word hermaphrodite in there someplace, too. Sexual fluidity? Yeah. Anyway, so uh, bottom line is uh, I I agree with what the judge says. Because, you know, do you really want absolutely no allowance for a landlord to say, I'd rather have that person as opposed to that person? And there is no discrimination on its face, which, of course, there always is. I mean, there's discrimination all over the place. I mean, people discriminate. You know, that's who we are. We're humans. And all you can do is try to negate it. And in this case, incidentally, if you're talking about making sure discrimination doesn't happen, uh, the first come, first serve law, it works. It stops 90% of the discrimination. How far do you go with that, though? All right. Uh, let's take some uh, phone calls. Uh, Jason. Hello, Jason. Welcome to Handle on the Law. Thank you. I was set to propose to my girlfriend, and um, we were going to go to a sunset to a beach. Excuse me. And um, so I went to Best Buy. I was not in the contract, and um, they uh, they had the iPhone X, the latest iPhone, right? And so I was like, the camera was really great. I wanted to take great low-lighting pictures. All the reviews said it was great, um, and the reception was really good. So... uh, they said, oh, you have 15 days to return the phone if you don't now, want it. Did they say you have 15 days, or was it okay. written on the contract? Okay, so they said you have 15 days. The receipt and the paperwork say 14 days, all right? So 14 days later, I walked in the door, and I said, you know what? This phone, we had to keep switching back to my fiance's old phone. Uh, there were reception issues. I do not want this phone. They said, we're so sorry. You're a day late. Uh, there's nothing we can do. I said, this is the 14th day. They said, oh, no, you're a day late because we count the first day as a full 24-hour day, the day that you bought it. I said. Uh, that's an easy one. All right. Yeah. Uh, this was the best buy you bought it? Yeah. All right. There's your small claim suit. And let them argue we count the first day. And then you say, no, you can't. Uh, the first day is the following day. Uh, and it's um, the you start talking about a day. I'm assuming you're talking about a 24 hour day. That's just one of those which way the judge is going to go. And uh, right, there and there's, they're 
And there's no way around it. I mean, you you say you tell your story, they tell their story. I mean, you're going to say they told you 15 days, but they're going to deny that. They can say we never. Well, said. actually, the 15 days is important because the 15th day would have been the day after I came the day, the 14th day. No, I understand. Um, I, I get but, it, but the 15th day isn't important. Why? Because they're going to de- deny they ever said 15 days. Of course, of course. All right. So, so uh, you tell that story, and you, there's both ways of. Uh, of interpreting that, let's see, okay, the first day, we count the first day. Well, no, you have to count the next day as the first day. It's like bi-monthly. Does that mean every other month, or does it mean twice a month? Biannually. Does that mean every other year? Does it mean twice a year? Bisexual. Does that mean you're having sex with two people? Or are you, no, that one's not working, is it? Okay, let's just move on. I try to, yeah, sometimes yes, sometimes no. Uh, Deborah. Uh, hi, Deborah. You're up. Welcome to Handle on the Law. Thank you. I have a dilemma. I've been homeless for five years, living in an RV, happily ever after, I need to add. And I got uh, piggybacked into this shelter care plus thing to house the homeless. So they put me in an apartment and I'm paying rent. And the apartment happened to be decked out for handicapped when I looked at it. And my closet rod is three and a half feet from the floor instead of being, let's say, five and a half feet from the floor like a regular closet rod. And so when we looked at the place, myself and a social worker, the manager and handyman said, oh, that's no problem. We'll have it fixed for you quick and fast. And I said, okay, I'll take it. So I took it six months later. Here I am. They're not fixing it. They're giving me the runaround. And you you want to know. I stated a case to, to discrimination because I'm not handicapped. Oh, they look, discrimination? Have- discrimination because they didn't move a rod in the closet? Are you serious? Yeah, they were. Yeah, hey, by the way, have you ever heard of, you ever heard of a telephone? I, I've used it. You have used phone. a telephone. How about calling your social worker or calling the landlord or calling a friend or Call calling or call, uh, calling the National Association of uh, Closet Rod Removers? I called Fair Housing. Oh, Council. just call a friend. It's a rod in a closet. No, they say it negates my contract. Oh, how can it negate? Oh, please, Deborah, moving a rod in the closet negates your contract. Oh, I'm telling no, you, no. I'm just telling no, you. That's no, if you move it, they're not going to throw you out. It doesn't negate your contract. <sighs> I'm trying to have patience. You know, Sam. Uh, in my top drawer, there is a bottle of Lamictal, okay, that I used uh, to calm me down. Can you get me about a dozen of those pills, please? This is Handle on the Law. We could be legends after all. Hey, all right, back we go. More Handle on the Law. Bill Handel here, Marginal Legal Advice. Steve, you're up. Welcome to Handle on the Law. Uh, Thank you. Uh, I have a real estate dilemma going on. Um, I have a property that's uh, in escrow, was due to close. Uh, The closing has been delayed and stopped due to a – oh, the the property has a uh, well, so it's on a well system, private well. And – 
two days prior to closing, the uh, town come by with a letter and three cases of drinking water stating that the well uh, shows sign of contamination. So now the closing has been delayed, uh, and I've moved out of the house into a new place, and now I'm in a kind of no-man's land uh, waiting to find out what's going on with the water contamination. What do you recommend? Wow, you've got a problem. First of all, I would uh, clearly get a real estate attorney, but I don't know where you're going to go because uh, you certainly don't want uh, the buyer's not going to move ahead with a contaminated well if that's the water supply. I mean, nobody in their right mind would. So now you're stuck uh, and you just found out about it. And when did the town find out that it was contaminated? Did it know beforehand? And uh, then at some point, I would argue you have a claim because you bought a new place and you're sort of stuck in the middle. But if they just found that out, and then you have a you have a big problem on your hand. What you do is you own a piece of property with a contaminated well. And uh, now the, they go ahead. They, the the source the source they believe is coming from a uh, an old landfill. Oh man, uh, yeah. Now now you're going now you're going way uh, back. Who owns the landfill? And uh, this that's a complicated mess. I mean, that's one of those. It's so convoluted uh, that you're talking about probably years in court. In the meantime, you're stuck here uh, with uh, a system. Uh, quickly, uh, is there any way uh, to filter the well so it uncontaminates? Well, they, they didn't state what the contamination was at this point. They said it's safe for bathing but not for drinking. All right, but again, so, uh, uh, yeah. what are the, what's the cost of putting in a filter system, a sophisticated filter system? Because that may be the easiest way to go just to get you out of that place and maybe reduce the value right. of the house or maybe not. Just say, hey, as a matter of fact, uh, what I did is not only uh, clean up the water. Now you don't even have to have a filter system in the house. Because I'm assuming be uh, groundwater uh, has all kinds of crap in it anyway, even if it's safe to drink. I mean, there you know, it's not a natural, wonderful spring coming down a mountainside from Norway, is it? <laughs> no. <laughs> uh, yeah, I guess that would be an opportunity. Yeah, to, I mean, uh, that's, I don't know what else you could do, and just to make it practical, because if you're talking about suing the city, right, uh, because when do they mm-hmm. find out about it? And then you're going to the people that ran the, the landfill. Was it a private landfill? Was it a public landfill? Was it owned by the city? Is it a separate entity? It I mean, owned by the city. All right, well, you know, owned the city's the just not going to roll over. You know yeah. that they're going to fight it. It's, uh, it, it's, it's not something that uh, that's easy to deal with. Get it easy. Get a filter system. How hard is that? Sue. Hi, Sue. Yes, ma'am. Yeah, my parents uh, kept the oil rights when they sold a house years ago, and uh, my dad since died. My mom hasn't received any money, and uh, we just received a letter that says they want to buy it, and I'm suspicious. It's like, how do you find out if they're still pumping oil or well, not? Well, someone owns the oil rights at this point. You do, right? And it, and there is, uh, there was a contract with an oil company someplace. Right. Yes. And but, so you you look at that and you find out what the hell's going on. I mean, they don't send us anything. Pardon? We don't receive anything. I, yeah, I do, but yeah, I I would investigate it with a private investigator uh, to find out what's going on. It can, you know, how much can that cost? A couple hundred dollars. And uh-huh. uh, and if it is a dry uh, well and someone's willing to pay you money for it, you jump on it, unless they think that there's technology. Uh, where it's easier today to pump oil out or they thought there's more oil in there than you thought 
or somebody has not pumped out oil over the years. I mean, there was a time uh, when oil was worth very little not too long ago, and it doesn't make sense to pump it. All of a sudden, uh, oil spikes. Okay, now it makes sense. There's a bunch of things that could go uh, go on with that. Well, here's a clincher. The letter says, we will pay you three times what you've received in the past, like, five years. We haven't received anything, so they want us to give it to them? Well, ask them. What does that mean? We haven't received anything in the last uh, five years. Right, so, uh, so five years times zero is zero, and that's exactly the question. Do you want it to? Do you want us to give it to you? Yeah, that's a great question. I, I sent a letter to him and asking him that. So yeah, that's exactly I, right. You're doing okay. you're doing everything right at this point, and clearly there's uh, no litigation. So here I am, the oil well expert. If you have any other oil well uh, oil well questions, just ask me because I am the oil well maven. Even though there's no law involved in that, it's just, hey, go ahead and ask me. All right, let me tell you about something I am an expert at, and that is simply uh, safe home security. Why? Because anybody who gets a system is an expert. And simply safe, and this is a system that you install by yourself. It takes half an hour, and you install it in your home, and it makes it so easy. Every door, every window, motion detectors. Uh, I mean, it really is kind of neat technology. And that siren they have is crazy. Uh, anybody breaks in, oh man, is it going to get loud? And Simply Safe could cost a lot of money for this kind of technology, and it doesn't. Uh, it's very fair. As I said, it's so easy to install. There's 24 7 professional security monitoring. We're talking about a high end system here. And that's $14.99 a month. No contracts, no hidden fees. Clearly, I recommend Simply Safe to everyone I know. And uh, my daughter, I mean, I put one into the condo that she. Uh, air quotes rents from me, uh, knowing that, uh, well, I feel safer because she feels safer. So go to simplysafehandle.com and that's simplysafehandle.com. Protect your home and family. I can't recommend this more. Simplysafehandle.com. This is Handle on the Law. Five two zero one five three four handle here on a uh, Saturday morning right up until eleven o'clock, and uh, Leo Laporte comes aboard uh, a couple hours from now, two and a half hours from now, five and a half hours from now. This may be the only show that goes for five hours that doesn't repeat itself fifteen times. Uh, I think George Norrie goes on; uh, he starts at what midnight and goes on till uh, the following Tuesday. Is that it? Art Bell died. You hear uh, George, uh, I think it was this morning, very, very upset about uh, Art Bell dying. And uh, which, you know, he was gonna, he's going to talk to Art anyway in the next few hours. So, you know, what can I tell you? All right. Let's do it. Uh, more handle on the law. Marginal legal advice. All right, Michael, you're up. Welcome to Handle on the Law, Michael. Yes. Um, good day. Um Last summer, during the forest fires in California, um, our subdivision was evacuated. And while we were out of that subdivision, they cut a 36-foot perimeter around it. And uh, um, also during that period, for some reason, they cut fire lines through my property and other neighbors' properties. It seems like uh, for no reason at all. What do you mean for no reason at all? 
When's the last time you were a firefighter that makes a determination as to what reason someone cuts a fire line through your property? Uh, back in the 70s, I was a firefighter. All right. So you have. Uh, all right. So you certainly have uh, some credibility there. Boy, you got me on that one. So uh, <laughs> so someone made a decision that they're going to have a fire line cut through your property. And you said there's no reason at all for them to do it. Why they do it? Uh, I believe they were lost. They, oh, they, okay. They were taking a shortcut from one road on one side of my property to um, another road on the other side of my property. Okay, so uh, have they fixed it at all or it's still there? They, it's still there, and they're totally ignoring me. All right, and, yeah, all right, yeah, a claim, obviously. And this is a county fire or? Uh, uh, forest, forest Service. Uh, California Forest Service or the feds? U.S. Oh, you get to deal with the feds? Congratulations. I know. Oh, my God, are you? See, the city is the best. County is pretty good, too. Once you're dealing with the state, it gets to be kind of a mess. Once you're dealing with the feds, oh, Michael, you're in the twilight zone. That's Uh, what I figured. Yeah, it is. Now, you can get through it. And what I would do, the first thing I do is go to your congressperson and uh, start asking you, you. Start going up. Through the ranks of uh, the uh, fire service, uh, the uh, this part is it. Uh, what division actually uh, is uh, the fire service under? Uh, the feds. It's the U.S. Forest Service. It is okay. Um, yeah, you had already said that. Uh, I should have known that. So, um, and, and I also see they were supposed to bring in a, um, what's called a burn area response emergency response afterwards and take care of all that Yeah, that's stuff. what I'm thinking. Uh, so uh, the, the problem that you're missing is they're not coming back and ameliorating the situation. I mean, you can argue all day long, you shouldn't have done it, you should have done it, it was a waste of time or not. That's not going to help you because someone's making a decision. And frankly, in the big scheme of things, the only person that cares about the fact that you were a firefighter back in the 70s is me. Uh, no one else is going to care. But the fact that they have to fix what they did is a different issue. So uh, I am assuming you made a claim with the Forest Service. Not yet. They okay. You to file a claim, and it'll yeah. take two years. Yeah, it might. Yeah, no, it, it might. Yeah, yeah. You know, I, I'm surprised it's only going to take two years. <laughs> That's the statute of limitations. I know. It's hilarious. Uh, but then you go up, and then to speed things up at the same time, I go to your council, uh, your local council person. I mean, yeah, excuse yeah. me, your representative, your congressional uh, representative. Okay, congressional. Yeah, I would do that because at least someone in that office can make a phone call. And uh, does your congressman or woman uh, have any pull at all? Are they sitting on some good committee? Uh, have they been there for a while? Uh, because it depends on when your congressperson was elected. I have a, a friend of mine who actually is now, a, I think, a second or third sort of con- congressman. But he makes a joke. Uh, the first term that he had, and he said something, the chairman just handed him a mop and said, here, that corner over there, that needs some help. I mean, zero influence. But the longer they're there, obviously, the more power. So you get to do a little research. In the end, you're going to be okay, uh, Michael, but it's uh, it's going to take a while, unfortunately, dealing with the Fed's Social Security office, although they're a little bit better. Uh, but deal with the government at some point. Deal with the VA. Uh, before they're making good moves or they're making stronger moves. I mean, you could sit there. Uh, I mean, literally, you could have gone into a DA medical faci- in a VA medical facility uh, with a medical problem, and you would have died of old age just sitting there in the in the hallway. Uh, Sabrina. Hi, Sabrina. You're up. Welcome. Oh, 
I, um, okay, straight to the point here. I work for a concession. I'm a concession operator. So I work for stadiums and amphitheaters. I worked for Company A where I was an operation manager. And then um, I got qualified or I got recruited to work for Company B. And I worked there as the operations manager until the sports team that was there left. And a new manager came in that fired me a few months later, even though I did everything on my own. And why, <laughs> so, and why, why, why were you fired? Well, they said it was a violation of a code of conduct because I had a second job. And oh. now the second, so yeah. Yeah, so, that's interesting because I, I would have fired you too, except I would have said, I don't like the fact you're working for a competitor. And well, you're fired. Not, it wasn't really a competitor. Like, I was a manager at one place and a warehouse worker at another. Oh, I see. So it had nothing to do with that. Oh, that's interesting. And was yeah, there... No, and I was no financial... Okay, anything. got it. Was there a written agreement or is it just an arbitrary decision that was made by this manager? No, it was just arbitrary. He tried uh, to fire me for a vacation yeah, time. Yeah, I get it. Here's, here's the... He had a previous relationship yeah. and he hated the company I worked yeah. for because... He was fired there okay. three years. Okay, Sabrina, three years. here's here's the problem. They can fire you for any reason they want. Yes, that's uh, I know. That's California. So uh, it here, is local terpenes. Yeah, yeah. Pick mm-hmm. pick a reason. And uh, hey, I don't like the way you look. I don't like the way you dress. Uh, I don't. I don't like the way you walk. Although you could argue maybe uh, that's an ADA issue. Uh, so. I mean, it's horrible they did that, but I don't, I don't think there's much you can do. You can certainly talk to a wrongful termination attorney, but he's going to say the same thing I am. Uh, that's all. All right, Joni. Uh, hi, Joni. Welcome to Handle on the Law. Thank you. I have a question. My husband and I are purchasing, considering purchasing an automotive repair shop, an established one. And um, the person who's selling it has a broker, but we didn't hear about it through the broker's advertising or through his efforts. We knew the guy selling it, so we're dealing directly with him. But so he has his broker in his corner looking out for his best interest. Who should my husband and I hire to look out for our best interest? Well, you can hire a business broker uh, because it's going to come out of his percentage anyway. And I think that's the way it works. But even if it doesn't, you need a broker who really understands car repair uh, business, you can just do uh, some uh, some pretty good uh, due diligence. I mean, you have to if you're buying a business, man. You have to go crazy, and certainly a business lawyer to look at any contract or write okay. up the contract. That's th- those are the only ways you can protect yourself. And um, the business lawyer, I'm assuming, would be on a site that you would recommend. Uh, yeah, you go to handleonthelaw.com, and uh-huh. uh, we have uh, business lawyers. You just want someone who's had a lot of contract, a lot of experience uh, doing uh, purchase of business contracts. And then okay. you just call one or two or three and you say, how many of these have you done? I kind of like you. I don't. I, I, uh, and what kind of experience you have and what businesses have uh, you bought and sold. And uh, it's uh, if it's all franchises for yogurt, maybe uh, you want to go to someone who's had uh, a little more experience in, in something close to what you want. But, right. you know, you want as much as you can. You want brokers that know what they're doing. You want due diligence of experts to coming in, accountants to look at the books to make sure the books aren't cooked unless you're in a restaurant where then the chances of uh, books being cooked are probably a little bit more. You know what? I, I think we're going to move on at this point and talk about tax season. Oh, boy, is it here. And the identity thieves are at it again. My daughter just got a letter from the IRS saying, we think someone has used your Social Security number. All right? We think a fake tax return was filed. 
and we think that LifeLock is going to take care of it, which, of course, they will. We are customers of LifeLock. There are so many threats in today's connected world. It takes one weak link for the criminals to get in. So if you have a problem, let's say, like Pamela, you've just been told, that yeah, there's an identity theft issue. Uh, the folks at LifeLock will work to fix the problem if the identity is compromised. Now, no one can stop every cyber threat or prevent all ID theft or monitor every transaction, every business. But I've been a customer so long at LifeLock, they've that pulled my chestnuts out of the fire a couple of times. I just, I'm crazy about them. And LifeLock now is connected with Norton Security. So they're able to uncover threats you might otherwise miss. So go to LifeLock.com and use the promo code HANDLE for 10% off your first-year membership. LifeLock.com, promo code HANDLE, or call 800-LIFELOCK, promo code HANDLE, 800-LIFELOCK, promo code HANDLE. This is HANDLE on the Law. here on a Saturday morning. Uh, let's do it again. More handle on the law. Marginal legal advice. Uh, Barbara. Hi, Barbara. Hi. Yes, ma'am. I was calling because I just mailed a writ of certiorari to the Supreme Court in D.C. Mm-hmm. And the 10th of this month. And I'm asking the nation, we the people, to um, join in uh, with a like a companion case, a related case, or um, notice of errata. All right, so you, you're going to the Supreme Court uh, and asking them to rule on something. So you filed a lawsuit, correct? Yes. All right. Um, and, years ago. All right. And, you, own, and I'm a pro se let again. Okay, uh-huh. and you filed a lawsuit against whom? At the Big Bear Sheriff's Department in Big Bear Lake, California. Okay, so you filed a lawsuit against uh, the Sheriff's Department and uh, where did it go initially? Um, also, it was against the Highway Patrol. And no, no, I get it. I get it. But where, I mean, you just don't file lawsuits and then go to the Supreme Court. A, a few other I things. I went to the district court. And the district court, ta- and, they ta- and they tossed it out, right? Well, they just didn't agree with me. Uh, so, okay. So you had a hearing at the district court. and uh, it, Well, I went to the Ninth Circuit also. Okay. And, so, you, okay. Hold on. So the court, the the, uh, the district court ruled against you. The Court of Appeals, Ninth District Court of Appeals, ruled against you, correct? Well, they agreed with the district court. That means they ruled against you. I guess. Okay, so uh, exactly what are you asking for? Um, in a way of money. It's not about the money, really. All right, so how much are you asking for? Uh, the first case is also two cases. I already made a joinder pretty much on my own. How much are you, How much are you asking for? Hardly nothing. One point five mil. Yeah, you're right. Yeah, that's case. nothing. And what do they do that you uh, are asking for one point five mil, which is hardly anything? Um, well, the second case is five mil. It's also a joinder. I put wow, great. What? It, so, what exactly do they do, Barbara? That, oh, the police officers up here did a racial profiling on me. I'm uh, a Mata, half black, half white, Jewish, and Cherokee. But they wow. had impounded my car 20 vehicles, 20 times, about 10 different vehicles. Same, I say you own 10 cars, and they impounded them 20 well, times. Eight years. Yeah, uh, I've had to buy back my car about 10 times. Got for it. No reason. Well, Barbara, Barbara, I, I, have, I have to tell you, I mean, good for you that you filed all of this on your own. I wouldn't know how to file a federal court and then file an appeals and then ask the Supreme Court 
to grant certiorari, which means the Supreme Court uh, will, in fact, hear your case if they grant certiorari. So, Barbara, let me throw some figures at you. Uh, about 5,000 cases are submitted to the Supreme Court every oh, year. Yeah, my twins just tell me that all the time. Um, but I have two cases being joined Oh, got it. So now you have two out of 5,000. I feel better. And then, uh, well, I have a third case. I just started a district court for the same issues. Because fantastic. Don't quit. Uh, I don't think you can. And I'm a good person. I'm a holy person. I no, I got no, Barbara, Barbara, you know, for half black, half white, half Jewish, half Cherokee, I mean, you're sounding pretty good. Uh, so, Barbara, what's your question? I represent the nation. We the people. I want to have the nation join in on my lawsuit. Not going to happen. Yeah. Address some of the issues. You know, yeah. please no. abuse of power. All right. So, Barbara, do, do you think anybody cares that your car was impounded 20 times? Government intrusion. Government does, apathy. Does anybody care? Barbara? The nation care. Yeah. Do you think anybody cares? Government apathy. Yeah, no one cares. pertains to the as same a, issues. As a matter of fact, nobody cares about government, government apathy. Okay, the children that got shot at by the um, peers, apathy. The government should be doing something about it. No, that. I understand. Oh, I know, I get it. But you see, uh, what is the definition of apathy? Um, well, what is it? I mean, look it up. You know what the definition? You know what the definition of? Wait a second. Opposite of intrusion. I know, but Barbara. What is the definition of apathy? Apathy it's is. It's, it's not. No, it's not opposite of intrusion. intrusion. No, but the government. Right oh, to I'm going to hang up on you. A right to be free of government. What is the definition of apathy? And that is, you don't care. So, my argument is, is that everybody is apathetic about the government being apathetic. Which means that no one in their right mind is going to sue. It's, I mean, good for her. I mean, she obviously has no other life to live other than filing lawsuits. Now there are three lawsuits she's filed. She's lost, uh, what, two? Uh, she wants, what, $1.5 million, basically nothing, as she said, and now $5 million, which I'm assuming is a little more than nothing. Not a lot. Not a lot. Oh, how good does this get, huh? And they talk and talk and talk. And, and what was she asking me? Does anybody have any idea? Oh, she's asking me to ask the people of the United States to join her lawsuit, right? But first, they have to undo... Their straight jackets. That's for starters. Before they uh, join the lawsuit, is and how do you? Unless you're Harry Houdini, how do you do that? This is handle on the law. Here on a uh, Saturday morning, phone number to call 800-520-1KFI, 800-520-1534, and that's for marginal legal advice, where I tell you, you have absolutely no case, and it's always my pleasure to uh, do so. All right, uh, let's do it, guys. It is handle on the law. All right. Oh, so I have a story to tell you before we get into phone calls, which I normally do. And uh, this one happens to be uh, half of a Darwin Award. Uh, It's a gene pool uh, story. Now, Darwin Awards are given out annually. Uh, There's honorable mentions where people don't die. 
And then there are finalists where people do die. Uh, my favorite finalist for the Darwin Award is, this was in Egypt, uh, chicken falls down in a well somehow. Uh, the kid goes into the well to save the chicken. The kid starts drowning. Three members of his family go into the well to save the kid. Uh, all three of them drown. So you have four people drown trying, trying to save the, chi- uh, the chicken, and the chicken survives. That is a Darwin Award winner. Okay? Finalists uh, are... Uh, now, uh, honorable mentions are people who do stuff like that, and it, they don't die. They just get hurt. And then there are... Sort of semi-honorable mentions where all you want to do is say, uh, you want these people out of the gene pool. I don't care under any circumstances. So this is Hartford, Connecticut. 25-year-old Jonathan Rivera is uh, set to appear before a judge on a charge of first-degree larceny uh, and tampering with a motor vehicle. Effectively theft of a car. And so he drives to court to deal with the charges in a stolen car. So the parking folks are scanning license plates outside the courthouse, and there is a car that had been reported stolen, uh, kept an eye on it. Uh, When Rivera goes out, he gets inside, tries to drive away, and guess what? Another charge of second-degree larceny and taking a motor vehicle without the owner's permission Car theft. He's going to re- he's boy. He's going to do well in prison, isn't he? If I were his, this is a guy that uh, uh, should be sterilized, you know, just for the sake of uh, everybody else. All right, let's do it, guys. Uh, sure, why not? Uh, George, let's start with you. Hi, George. Welcome to Handle on the Law. Hi, hi, Bill. Uh, so I got a friend who is a caretaker. And uh, he's a caretaker of a man who's going to pass um, fairly soon. Um, well, this man has been living in this house in the city of Lincoln Heights uh, over here in Southern California. And um, he's been living there for the last 25 years. And he's been able to live there for the last 25 years because the owner of the house was it was his original caretaker. Well, his original caretaker, um, he passed away two years ago. So this man that uh, my friend is caretaking now wants to give him everything. He has nobody or anything. Well, what can he? Yeah, but what can he give him? How does he give him a house that belongs to someone else? Well, that's my. That's what I'm trying to get. Yeah, he can't because he has he has no say. I mean, the house belonged to the caretaker who now died, and his family owns the house. That guy has no family. Then it goes to the nearest relative, and it could be a it could be a fourth cousin. Okay. Yeah. In other words, okay, yeah. uh, he's screwed. You're screwed. All right. Congratulations. No case. Yes. Excellent. Good start. Hello, Andrea. Yeah. Hi. I have a question um, about renters' rights. I kind of know my rights, but I want to be on the right track in case this blows up. Um, me and my landlord was talking. Well, the manager was talking, and she threw a loop at me, saying, "Well, the person that's staying with you is going to have to find another place." And he's my caregiver. He's my grandson. So I want to know if it blows up. What do I? What can? What yeah, I, you know, it blows up, and as in the sense of uh, your grandson is evicted, right? Well, yeah, and yeah, no, but I think she was just blowing smoke. Maybe, I, maybe, and you can start. By the way, I think, I think. 
uh, unless there is an ADA issue, for example. But even then, I I don't know on what basis she would throw your grandson out. Is there a lease, incidentally? Well, he's been with me because he's my caregiver. I know I get that. How? But is there a lease? Yeah, I have a lease. And does it allow two people to go in? No, it's, I'm just on the lease right now. Yeah, but the only, what does the lease say? I know I understand that, but uh, are you allowed to have anybody else in the lease, or do you have to live by yourself? No, I, I'm sure I can. I'm sure I can have somebody. Then in you're here. fine. Like, then they can't. Then they can't be evicted, uh, other than for purposes of making too much noise or destroying property. Oh, he doesn't do that. Yeah, I think you're okay. I think you're okay, and I would just uh, tell the landlord, uh, even if the landlord has the right to do this, uh, this is when you just start throwing words out. I've talked to a lawyer. By the way, don't mention it's me because people just start laughing hysterically when it's me. I've talked to a lawyer. You're in violation of my rights. You're going to pay a huge penalty. Uh, You're in violation of the ADA since I have a caregiver. By the way, I have no idea if any of that is true, but... When in doubt, start throwing out legal terms. That's what I do. And I used to charge hundreds of dollars an hour for doing that. Can you imagine I actually charge people for legal advice? Astounding. Now I give it out for free, and you're still overpaying. Chris. Hi, Chris. You're up. Welcome to Handle on the Law. Thanks, Bill. Um, I am a soccer official and uh, was refereeing a match um, and was assaulted by a minor directly after the match and um, was given a displaced nose, a fractured nose, a fractured eye socket. Oh, my God. Um, concussion and a, a torn left pupil. How, so how, um, old, how old was uh, the kid who uh, beat you up? 14 years old. Wow. Strong kid. All right. So, yeah. uh, so you're a mess. And you, yeah. your question is, Chris... My question is, um, well, I do have um, a criminal case pending, but I'm seeking a, an attorney for a civil case. Yeah. Uh, so I went to a personal injury attorney, and he, you know, read through everything and then said, um, no, this sounds like a workers' comp case. So he sent me to a workers' comp uh, attorney who said no and read through her legal journals and said um, Sports officials are not covered under workers' Yeah, comp. I wouldn't think they are because you're an independent, independent contractor, right? That Well, I guess so. That's what she discovered. Well, do, so you, get a, I, do you get a 1099 at the end of the year? Yes. Okay, yes, so you're, you're an independent contractor because you work the hours you want to work. Uh, and Okay, fine. So I, I, so think, then, I think your lawyer's right. A workers' comp case is not appropriate here. Okay, so then I went to um, a sports attorney, and the sports attorney... Um, said that uh, in order for him to sue somebody, he's got to find negligence either with the club, with the team, right. with the tournament, or with the city. Yep. Um, and he said, I, you know, I'll write you a letter for 100 bucks, but you've got to do all the research and give me the names and addresses and all that, or you can retain me for thousands of dollars. And no, hire- this should be, no, no, no. This should be a contingency case, Chris. This is a personal injury contingency case. And the problem okay. with this is the damages are great, uh, but yes. who are the defendants? I mean, clearly that 14-year-old is a defendant, but it, right. it, that doesn't do you any good. Uh, the parents, right. if there's a pattern of this kid uh, for violence, maybe the parents, maybe the sports club. Although, again, is it a pattern? Do they know this kid was that violence? And if it was just out of the blue, uh, I don't think uh, liability is going to attach. And it could be one of those, uh, Chris, where 
Uh, you've really got no place to go. It's just mm-hmm. it's just a criminal act uh, by mm-hmm. a criminal minor and uh, ends up going to jail, although it'll be in juvenile. Uh, he'll be charged. Uh, maybe he'll be charged as an adult because that seems to be pretty vicious, but not at 14. Probably not. And it's just one of those where, you know, it just, Chris, it just happens. Yeah. So, you know, I had health insurance, but I have a huge deductible. And um, this family's got no money, of course. Uh, they don't own property. They yeah. So in own- the end, in the end, even if you get, even if there is liability, they're going to go bankrupt on you. Right. So uh, it's, uh, God, I hate the fact that uh, your liability is through the roof. This is why. I'm uh, such a fan of national health, so I, I won't get these phone calls and say I have a six thousand, I have an eight thousand dollar deductible of which you mm-hmm. get to of which you get to write the check. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's horrible. So uh, the bottom line is, uh, I don't think you have a case, and if you do have a case, uh, it's not going to help you because a judgment isn't going to help, and you have to pay your enormous copay for your insurance. I mean, this is just. One after another. This is the perfect storm of something horrible happening to you. All you can do is hope the kid goes to jail and gets beat up along the lines that you got beat up. This is Handle on the Law. KFI Handle here. It is a Saturday morning. Just before Leo Laporte comes aboard, well, hour and a half before Leo Laporte comes aboard. I guess that's just before. And that's at 11 o'clock, uh, followed by the Fork Report with Neil from 2 to 5, Mo Kelly 6 to 8, uh, Monique Marvez uh, 8 to 10, and then Brian Suits 10 to midnight. That rounds out Saturday. And uh, then tomorrow morning, starting at 5 a.m., Elizabeth Espinosa, Jesus from 6 to 9. And then uh, the newest show we have here on KFI, Home with Dean Sharp, The House Whisperer, and that's from 9 to 11. 800-520-1-KFI, 800-520-1534. Back we go. More handle on the law. Oh, hey, Ann, uh, you're up. Welcome to uh, Handle on the Law. Thank you. My very elderly father now qualifies or at least needs home health care assistance. He's a Korean War veteran and has been told by the VA that he qualifies for up to $24,000 in funding from the VA for home health care assistance. However, they say they need all his medical records from birth oh, come until on. now. I mean, that's crazy, Ann. How does someone get uh, – how old's your dad? 88. How do you get medical records from uh, 87 years ago? Well, that's what I'm saying. Yeah, you have to. And... Yeah, there's. Uh, you have to go up. This is uh, the VA at its uh, absolute finest because the bureaucracy is crazy. And someone read something. I mean, what they're asking for is something that is physically impossible. Uh, exactly. I don't even know if they kept medical records 87 years ago. I mean, the doctors just did their stuff. Yeah, and even even then, if yeah. it's on paper, the, the papers are gone. Yeah, no, it, it's, why it's, wouldn't the VA have his service records? Well, I'm sure they do. So, enough? so here's what you get to do: you now get to navigate the bureaucracy of the VA, and Yippee. obviously, well, they have an ombudsman. I mean, they have someone uh, there who helps people through that, and I don't know who it is, but uh, they're they're making. We, go ahead. We spoke to. Sorry, we spoke to a um, a VA social services advocate, and he's telling us the same thing. That's 
crazy. I mean, that's crazy. Right? Uh, I mean, when you think about it, it makes no sense. It's impossible to get records uh, from that long ago. So uh, it's obviously a decision that's been made. You get to appeal it because they have an appeals process. And you just oh, get, good. Uh, yeah, they do. And you just have to go up uh, the, uh, the, up chain. the chain. Yeah, there's not much. Because in the end, I mean, it's just, uh, when you think about it, it just it makes no sense at all. Uh, and Well, that's the government, so. Yeah, no kidding. So you're caught in the government. But there, at least there's an avenue to go uh, for sure. All right. Uh, hey, Zeus. Hello, hey, Zeus. Hi. Yes? Uh, yes, um. I have a, uh, I was, I've been renting a commercial building for about three years, and I was past due on one month rent, and um, my landlord locked me out. And then, uh, hey, wait, you're a, you're a month late, and the landlord locked you out, didn't evict you, didn't go through a legal process, just locked you out? Yes. Oh. And then um, after that, when um, I talked to him and I told him, you know what, I'm fine, I'll just let me get my stuff. He gave me the key when I went back into the building. Um, all my stuff was out of there. All so right. Just, he, so you don't know where any of that stuff is. What kind of stuff did you have in there, Jesus? Uh, I had a mechanic shop and a barber shop. And with so all I the tools, a, all the equipment? Yes. All right. You've got, okay. You have to go to a landlord tenant attorney. I mean, you've got a pretty serious case here. Uh, I think, and the, the, problem, the problem that I'm having is that he says that he couldn't sublease it to me no more because he was, it was against his. It doesn't uh, matter. Uh, it doesn't, Jesus doesn't matter. He can't evict you. He has to evict you. He can't just lock you out. That's the issue. I don't care why he's throwing you out. That does at this point on this issue, it makes no it makes no difference. It's him locking you out. I don't know if you have, because uh, you were. Uh, is there a lease there, Jesus? Yeah, we were on the lease, and then the lease was over, and we we're just month to month. Okay, so you're on. Okay, so you're on month to month. So uh, with proper notice, et cetera, he can evict you. But uh, I've got news. There's uh, there's a lot that he did wrong that you can do a lot about landlord tenant attorney. That's where you want to go to go to the website, go to handle on the law.com and you will talk to somebody there who goes, Oh yeah, I can't believe that that happened. This is handle on the law. Just handle here on a uh, Saturday morning. Let's uh, go right back to uh, Handle on the Law, Marginal Legal Advice. Uh, hi, Russell. Now, you have a weird one here. Russell, you there? Yeah, Bill. Hey, you're great. Hey, anyway. Yes, yes uh, I am. My dad died. <laughs> yeah, I think you are anyway. Anyway, uh, my dad died about three years ago, and going through his paperwork, I found that he had about $18,500 in stocks. So I did the uh, necessary paperwork. And I had to get a, a gold medallion, whatever that's called. I know uh, I learned what that was. Anyway, I was able to get the money, and uh, they took the taxes out. I think they took out about uh, seven thousand, some odd. Wait, seven thousand out of eighteen thousand? Yeah, eighteen thousand five hundred. Okay, so and so I, you're talking I, about the people that were holding the stock, correct? Yeah, yeah. So they was, took forty uh, percent of it. All right. Yeah. So anyway. Uh, I got a check for about $11,400. Anyway, so to move it along, I get a letter saying that I owe them uh, uh, $4,000 odd dollars in uh, taxes or inheritance taxes. But it was I don't, I don't call right. it an inheritance because— Yeah, R- Russell, none of that makes sense, yeah. and I'll tell you why. Yeah. 
okay. first of all, uh, I don't think they should have taken the taxes out uh, because that's your money. If you've inherited that or uh, and you basically did inherit that, uh, that's way, way below the level of any taxes that you owe. Now, the fact that they took the taxes out, uh, what you do is simply uh, amend, uh, you, you take the deduction. You simply take the uh, the deduction, you get your money back. You apply for that money coming back because it's, uh, it's an inheritance. And the fact they want some more money makes, I, I mean, what? You, the, the IRS wants $15,000 out of the $18,500 that you inherited. Well, that's the thing, Bill. That's, that's crazy. Thing. That's crazy. Talk to an accountant. I, I, don't, I don't know how I inherited the Yeah, money, I know. Well, you I do inherit. My dad didn't leave to anybody, yeah, but, but that's, I found that he had the money. Yeah, but it's. It, it, are you, do you have siblings? Yes. Okay. They, they weren't around when my dad died. All right. Well, you know, so. uh, you, now, the only thing is that uh, you have to split that among your siblings, and that's, but that's an issue between you and the siblings. In the meantime, right. you received the money. Uh, you should not have paid dime one in taxes. So uh, I would apply to have all that money refunded, and you need an accountant to do that. Uh, and again, an accounting issue, uh, any accounting questions you have, plumbing questions, surgical questions are always good, uh, aviation questions I can answer, space questions I can answer, uh, certainly any chemical, chemistry ke- questions I'm very good. The only questions that I don't seem to answer very well are legal questions. Have you noticed that? Ah, uh, Yes. Uh, hello, Mike. Mike, you're up. Welcome to Handle on the Law. Hey, Bill. Glad to have you uh, back on the air. Thank you. First of all. Um, so I'll make it quick. Uh, me and my girlfriend have had an apartment for a few months now, and we noticed that um, the gas and the electric bill were simultaneously uh, a lot higher than neighbors, about three to four times higher on average, despite us trying to turn everything off, you know, while we're gone, <clears throat> et cetera. So, um while checking the meter, I noticed the smell. Had the gas uh, company come out. Uh, they use this little device, like a Geiger counter type of thing, to um, push it against the uh, meter, our, our meter specifically, uh, and this thing started going off. Found a leak, said it was a 0.7 or something like that, You know, which a one, I guess, would be a, a large leak. So seven-tenths of the way there. Uh, he, fixed, he got his thing. He fixed it. Um, my question was mainly... Uh, who do I talk to, to, uh, you know, if I can get any kind of, um, yeah, you're talking about a refund. Yes, I think you can. And, uh, you you call the gas company and say, I need an application for a refund based on the fact that there was a leak. Okay. So, um, I did call them and then they told me that there was no leak. Oh, okay. Yeah. yeah. Now it's crazy. Yeah. So I then got a letter from them, uh, saying that it was a, uh, like a uh, confirmation that someone did. Uh, the service person did go out, check the meter, uh, and found no leak. All right. No now, when they now time. when they first came out and they said it was a point seven uh, category leak, uh, did you get any paperwork on it all? Absolutely not. I, right. I should have asked. I know, but I didn't. Think all right. So you have to go back and uh, go ahead and ask for them to reconsider, or maybe ask for an appeal because they do have an appeal system. And indicate when someone came out. I don't know if you know the name, do you? But they'll know. Uh, and, okay. And just say, here's the problem. There's no leak. So I'm paying four times what my neighbors are paying. I was gone, and I'm paying four times. Right. And I use right. no gas. Explain how when I'm gone, I use four times the amount of gas. And then just go through the system. I think you just fell through the cracks. 
And it's just a question of going through it because they look at the film. Oh, I'm looking at uh, our uh, paperwork. There's no leak uh, or it slipped through and uh, who the hell knows. Uh, but it's uh, you know, dealing with bureaucracies is really, really a drag. All right, Joe. Joe, you're up. Hello. Hey, Bill. How you doing? What can I do for you? Anyways, uh, my dad passed away last year, and uh, my mother and father's name were both on the deed to the house. And we were told that uh, she needs to remove him off the deed and have her as the sole trustee of the house. Well, the sole owner. Wait, wait. It's not a trustee. It's it's the ownership of the house, correct? It's the title of the house. All right, so they held the house, and I'm assuming they held it in joint tenancy. Is that correct? That's correct. All right, so the law says that the moment your dad died, your mother owns the house because you have the death of a joint tenant. And the process of getting her name on it is very easy. All you do is pull the death certificate, Joe. It's a public document, and your mom may very well have copies of it because usually the mortuary gives you five or six or eight uh, certified copies. That's with the stamp of the recorder. And uh, then with uh, the uh, the recorder's office, I think it's recorder. No, it wouldn't be the assessor. It's the recorder's office. You file a document that uh, is it's a, a document, it's a declaration of the uh, of the death of a joint tenant, and they'll reissue okay. and they'll reissue the deed. Uh, Joe, and your mom owns it in her name. Okay, great. One last thing. Uh, would it be a wise thing to have my name on the title also, uh, just in case of, uh, when my mother passes? Well, she, she, would, she would have to uh, own the property first. Okay. Uh, and so right now uh, she owns, uh, at least as far as the title is concerned, the paperwork is she doesn't own it uh, individually. And therefore, she can't transfer the property unless you have your dad's signature on it. And your dad is sort of completely dead, and uh, the property has to be transferred. Then she can do whatever she wants. Then the issue is, of course, she can put your name on it as a joint tenant, just like she and your dad did. And what ends up happening is when she dies, you get the property automatically, and you do the same thing. But there may be a, there may be a tax issue here. That's and, what I was thinking. Yeah, you have to talk to an accountant, and there may be an issue as to a reassessment of the property. Sounds great. Okay, certainly interspousal. How much is the property worth right now? Um, guess about between seven and eight hundred thousand. Great, and they've lived in the house for how long? Uh, forty plus years. Yeah, so it's paid off, right? Oh yeah. Absolutely. Oh yeah, yeah. You call, you talk to an accountant because the last thing you need is you've now gotten half the house and you just uh, picked up $400,000 that you get to pay taxes on. Yikes. Yeah, t- accountant time. Accountant time. Also <laughs> also the reassessment of the property, where it's probably assessed uh, at the 40-year-ago level. So uh, the property taxes are $4. And now all of a sudden, uh, on an $800,000 house, uh, the property taxes become $10,000 a year. Would Proposition 13 uh Yeah, exact, yeah, yeah, it's 1%. Yeah, it's 1 okay. and a quarter percent. Prop 13, okay, which means you're paying which means you're going to pay $10,000 under Prop 13. Okay, great. Yeah, so the house is under Prop 13. Yeah, well, it's yes, but still it, it, it's going to be reassessed. So you have to look at all of that. All right. So, uh let me tell you about Simply Safe Home Security. Simply Safe uh is 
uh, a home security system uh, that I love. I matter of fact, I installed one in my daughter's uh, condo, actually my condo that she theoretically pays rent on, and I wanted her to feel safe. And if she feels safe, I feel safe. So uh, I took the Simply Safe system and I installed it. It took about half an hour. I mean, it's that easy. And every door, every window has a sensor on it. There's also a motion detector, an alarm. You can't believe how loud it is. And they have new technology with the cameras. I mean, it really is an extraordinary system. And it should cost you an arm and a leg, right? It doesn't. Uh, they charge you what's fair. You install it yourself. As a matter of fact, I think dollar per dollar, this is the best value with a high-end system you can get. And don't kid yourself. This is a high-end system. 24-7 professional security monitoring is just fourteen ninety nine a month. No contract, no hidden fees. And I obviously recommend Simply Safe to everyone I know. So go to simplysafehandle.com and see how you can feel safe. Simplysafehandle.com. Protect your home and your family. Simplysafehandle.com. This is Handle on the Law. All right, Handle here, and uh, we continue on. Well, here's our phone numbers, 800-520-1KFI. 800-520-1534. And yet more handle on the law. Marginal legal advice. Maurice. Hello, Maurice. Good morning. Yes, it's, sir. Uh, I'm a 32-year-old disabled combat vet. And right now, as I'm faced uh, live here in Riverside, California. And my only source of income is my VA disability. And with that, they're requiring me to pay my ex-wife $1,388 in child support. Plus, on top of that, they're trying to raise it to $1,688. And how how much is your disability check? $3,200. So they're taking 50% of your income. Uh, Yeah, you get to to go to court and get that that modified. Did they modify it? No. With that is they have not. I've been trying, and they said no. We can count whatever we want. And I gave them the stipulation. And they said, well, Rose versus Rose in 1987. Oh, yeah, they, I don't, okay. Uh, that's, uh, all right. I mean, it, it doesn't make a lot of sense to me where they're taking half your paycheck and you're living on $1,600. Uh, yeah. Now, uh, but that was uh, an administrative decision made by uh, the VA, right? Yes, sir. All right, that's appealable. Yes, I, I tried to appeal it, and the appeal court of Riverside uh, turned it down. No, no, I'm talking about within the VA, you can appeal it. Uh, no, no, this wasn't a decision made by the VA. Is with that they did not do an. But they're taking, no, but they're taking the check out of your disability. I have to physically write it because they said by law. They All right. So go. and 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 you went to court, and the court said no. Yes, sir. All right. Have you appealed that decision? I tried, and they denied it, sir. They denied the appeal. I don't know where else to go. Uh, That's what I'm... Yeah, no, I get it. You're calling me and saying, what do I do? I don't know the answer at that point. Uh, I don't. You're going to have to talk to family law attorney, because I I just don't know where to go. Oh, that's tough. All right, Dwayne. Hi, Dwayne. Yes, sir. Yeah, what can I do for you? Yes, good morning, sir. Sir, 20 years ago, I was arrested for transporting marijuana. I would like to know how how can I get that expunged without paying a nickel? Well, yeah, but somebody has to go into court and make a motion to get it expunged. And there's still filing fees for that, too. Now, unless you're completely destitute 
Uh, Which I am. Okay, then I think you can file an affidavit uh, that you're completely broke. But when you were busted for transporting marijuana, how much marijuana were you uh, were you busted for? It was just a half a pound. Half a pound. That's it. Well, uh, you're still talking about a hell of a lot more than an ounce. That's true. Uh, and so, were you busted as a for a felony? Yes, sir. Uh, see, that's a tough one too, uh, because. You know, it's a felony. You can possibly bring it down and make a motion to bring it down to a misdemeanor. And then uh, you have to talk to a a criminal law attorney. Uh, And there are people out there that uh, will at least give you the advice for free, Uh, Dwayne. That's you just get to do a little bit of research. There are organizations that help you out. People, lawyers who smoke a lot of marijuana. You know, who's, who, if they like, if you walk into a lawyer's office and he's smoking a joint, good chance he's going to like you. So uh, you get to find a lawyer because I think you can have a tough time. It's a felony transporting. That's not just use. I mean, we're already talking about uh, what uh, half a pound is eight ounces. Oh, you know, eight ounces uh, is not the end of the world either. Uh, I don't know if today it would be uh, it would be a felony. So based on today, maybe there's a motion can be made. Yeah, I, I think so. But you have to find a lawyer, obviously, that's willing to do it, especially if you have no money. All right. Uh, tax season is here. As a matter of fact, uh, I think Tuesday is it for you. And according to the IRS, uh, they're, the, the, we're talking about the identity thieves failing, uh, filing fact, uh, fake tax returns. There it is. With stolen personal information, social security numbers, uh, and we're all vulnerable. Uh, the Southwest, by the way, is particularly bad. Nevada being the worst. And American uh, Americans get nailed with identity theft every single day of the year. So it's good that there's LifeLock identity theft protection. Uh, I've been a customer for so many years, and they've pulled my chestnuts out of the fire a few times, too. And they've just added the power of Norton Security. And what that does is protect you against threats to your identity and your devices that you can't easily see or fix on your own. What a combination that is. And if your identity is compromised, uh, they have agents that will work to fix that problem. And believe me, you want help because that's a nightmare when that happens. Now, no one can stop every cyber threat, prevent all identity theft, or monitor every transaction at every business. But uh, with new LifeLock and Norton Security, Uh, they're able to uncover threats you might otherwise miss. Go to lifelock.com, promo code HANDLE for 10% off your first year. Lifelock.com, promo code HANDLE, uh, or uh, just uh, call 800-LIFELOCK, promo code HANDLE, 800-LIFELOCK, promo code HANDLE. This is HANDLE on the Law.
KFI AM 640. Bill Handel on a Saturday right up until 11 o'clock. Leo Laporte comes here right after the show from 11 to 2. Neil Saavedra with the Fork Report from 2 to 5 o'clock. All things food. And it could be my favorite show uh, on the air, even more so than my show, because I kind of enjoy talking about or listening to food for three hours. This is Handle on the Law, marginal legal advice, where I tell you, you have absolutely no case. Uh, This, in my opinion, is pretty crazy. And this is in light of uh, the armed, unarmed uh, young black men who have been fatally shot, and particularly by California police officers, because that's what uh, this particular proposed bill is about. So this is proposed legislation that would change the current reasonable force rule to necessary force standard. So at this point, when can a police officer use lethal force? Well, uh, it's reasonable force. In other words, if the police officer thinks in a reasonably that he or someone else's life is in danger, then the police officer is allowed to use lethal force. Even if there is no real threat, just the cop thinking that it is, for example, reaching into a waistband and not knowing whether a gun was there after a police officer has asked a suspect, put your hands up. Uh, there are the jury or the DA uh, has to consider whether or not it was reasonable under the circumstances. Well, proposed legislation would change that to necessary force standard. Now, this one gets weird because it turns the presumption around completely that a cop has to know that it is necessary to stop the suspect. Forget about reasonable. And uh, forget about the fact that even if the cop suspects there might be a problem, is it necessary for the shooting to take place. Well, uh, if you ask any police officer uh, that goes, okay, now police officers are in much, much more danger. And, of course, uh, the ACLU is uh, advocating in favor of the bill, and the whole point is to encourage cops to try to defuse confrontation or use less than lethal weapons. But here's the problem, okay? Someone's reaching into his waistband, and uh, you don't know, so you try to de-escalate, and uh, you don't know whether or not uh, he or she, but usually he, has a weapon. Uh, when do you find out? When the gun comes out and the shooting starts? And by the way, uh, does anybody ever protest? you see protest marches uh, when a cop dies? Are you ever going to see the ACLU file a lawsuit in favor of the police? I don't think so. All right, let's take some phone calls. Hey, Danny. Yes. Yes, go ahead. Yes. Hey, I need some advice on a, on a, a wrongful eviction. Uh, a few months ago, I was in this place, and um, uh, the property manager uh, filed a wrongful eviction. What they did was they gave me a 30-day a notice to move out of the, this apartment that I was in. I was in there a few months. Uh, they they kept my security deposit, and also the, the the apartment manager there filed a false restraining order. All right. Well, first of all, let's talk about the eviction. When you say wrongful eviction, what was the basis of the eviction? 
you know, there was no basis. I was late on my rent. Um, so they just gave no you, they gave you, you, did they give you just a 30-day notice to vacate? Right. All right, did you have, did. A, did you have a lease? I, no, it was month All to right, month. month to month. They have the right to throw you out of there. Right. On a month to month. So they just said, we want you out in 30 days. Here's your 30-day notice. They can do that. What's the wrongful part, Danny? Um, I moved out, and they went ahead and filed for eviction and charged me for the eviction fees. All right. And so that's a small claim suit, by the way. If right. you were if you were out on the, within that 30 days, and they went ahead and filed an unlawful detainer, and then charged you, uh, I find that interesting because uh, it, it didn't go anyplace. Uh, they they right. couldn't if they served you to get out of the apartment or the place, and you're already out. There is no unlawful. Uh, there is no unlawful eviction. There's no eviction at all. Right. So I'm a little confused what they filed, but whatever they charge you, that's a small claims court case. Now the okay. other issue is uh, that a restraining order was filed against you. Uh, yeah, by the apartment manager, and it was dismissed. I went to court on it. I was served from the sheriff's department, and I went to court on it, and it was thrown out. All right. So now, what? What's your question? Um, I was wondering if I could hold the uh, the property manager uh, responsible for their for their manager that was at the. Uh, yeah, the I think to some office. extent. Here's the problem. What do you want? Uh, I want damages. What I are mean, the damages? You know, I no, I understand. What are the damages? Uh, defamation of character. What are the damages? What are the damages? How much do you want? Uh, I'm going to say $1,000 in damages. All right. Well, uh, you don't want to file a defamation suit. Maybe you will. Uh, and uh, But that's kind of difficult. Why don't you just sue them for uh, 1000 bucks for the time you spent dealing with it? I think you can sue them for that. And if you're going to sue for defamation, you're going to sue them for a hell of a lot more than $1,000 because you have to end up writing a complaint. Uh, You've got to end up proving it. Unless you want to do a small claims court and sue for $5,000 or whatever and then argue uh, that you have been defamed and here are the damages. The problem, Danny, is you don't have any damage other than the time that you spent. Because the defamation of character, right, Uh, that lawsuit... Or that restraining order, uh, who cares? Who knows about it? How, does it d- does it stop you from getting a job? Right. See, that's yeah. the problem. In the end, it's strictly a uh, a damage issue. That's not to say they didn't defame you. Although I don't think uh, that filing a restraining order and saying whatever in court, incidentally, that uh, someone can say in court all they want, and it's not considered defamation. But the very filing, so it's not a question of what the said. It's the very filing of the restraining order that was thrown out. You're arguing that in and of itself is defamation. Well, go in front of a small claims uh, judge and just start arguing your brains out and see if you can get it. Sue for five grand and see if the judge gives you anything. Certainly sue for the time that you worked on this thing. Every minute you spent defending it, I would absolutely charge and give yourself 25 bucks an hour, for example. You know, just for your time. Uh, That's what I would do. Uh, yeah, that's not an easy one. Boy, you know, that's not just yes, no questions. Uh, this is very good. It really is. I like this. All right. This is Handle on the Law.
640. More stimulating talk. Bill Handel here. This is Handel on the Law. Marginal legal advice. Oh, Douglas, you're up. Hello, Douglas. Yes, Bill. Yes. I was arrested and uh, for public intoxication. Uh, I went to court and got it dismissed. After a probationary period, uh, it was expunged from my record. And now I find out that my mugshot is on one of these mugshot websites. And the website is willing to remove my photo if I can prove uh, that my case was dismissed. But the very definition of expungement is that there is no record of it, or it's supposed to be. Yeah. So I, no, called I-, the court, I called the court to get some documentation to provide to this website to get it removed. And they said, well, we can't. It's been removed from your record. What can I do? And you've contacted them, right? I, I've, I've not contacted the website, but I've contacted the court where it was dismissed and yeah. ultimately expunged. Yeah, you have to go to the website and say, uh, here is the problem, and that is it's been expunged. So uh, it's going to be up to them uh, to look it up because you looking it up and saying it doesn't exist. But if it's a legitimate website that wants uh, credibility and has credibility and you say, just look up my criminal record, those are public records. Yeah. And you will see there isn't any. Right. And I think the state that I live in, the the um, the the Supreme uh, Law Enforcement Agency, which is the TBI, I live in Tennessee, uh, I think they have the record and they were the ones that released it. So it's been removed from my local jurisdiction, but still the state has yeah. the record. Uh, you, you know what? It's a, you, you've got an interesting problem on your hands. And if, yeah. and again, you can go to uh, that organization and say, if you've released it, then I, how can I not get it? But if they only release the mugshot and then back to the website itself and say, all you have to do is look me up. That's all you have to do. OK. Bill. And, and that should work. Uh, unless there are a bunch of scammers, and there are out scammers out there on the Internet that throw stuff up and say, we'll be more than happy to remove it if you pay us $50. If you pay us $60. Manufacturing web uh, mugshots, for example, where there was never a mugshot taken. But putting it up there, Photoshopping, whatever, and, uh, hey, pay us 60 bucks and you're off. Just lovely, isn't it? Hello, Diana. Welcome to Handle on the Law. Hey, Bill. I have a feeling you're going to tell me I'm screwed, but I was hoping you might be able to help me. All right. Um, My husband and I own a small business, and I have a Yelp question for you, Yelp, the review site. Yeah, no, I know. I use Yelp all the time. Uh Well, we have a business where we have four reviews that appear and eight, eight reviews that have been filtered. The four reviews that appear, two of them are negative from people who are never customers of ours, and two of them are positive. And then the eight that have been all filtered out are all positive. And from the way they sound, they all are legitimate customers of ours. So let me uh, ask, uh, you've contacted Yelp, I'm assuming, and what do they say? They have their own algorithm, and this is how it goes. And that's it. So uh, you want to know what's going on. Why don't you, on your Oh, what kind of business is it? We do dog boarding. We're basically kind of like a, um, a hotel for dogs. All right. So when they, uh, and just technically uh, speaking, because I, I go to restaurant uh, reviews on Yelp, 
And first of all, I look at the restaurant itself, the menu, and then I look at the reviews. Do people first go to a website and then see the review, or they go just to the review part? Um, goodness, I think they're probably going to um, the review part. They're going right to Yelp to look us up. Yeah, and I, you know what? It's not a question of you're screwed. I just don't know where I'd go with this. Uh, okay. Because, uh, I mean, what are you going to do? Are you going to sue Yelp? And they say the algorithm is what it is. And if you have information that does say, wait a minute, these are legitimate customers, these are not, I'm assuming it's just beyond your word, right? It is beyond our word. And it's one of those situations where um, the folks, I mean, look, we have a good relationship with our customers. We have a lot of yeah. regulars. Uh, and I'm not, so ar- I'm not arguing that. Uh, uh, what I'm saying is, uh, and I don't know how Yelp works, if yeah. you if you produce the ones that have been filtered the 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 actual reviews uh then uh, I don't know what Yelp does if someone has the ability to manually un- unravel that and do you have any idea why uh a positive review is filtered out or they just say that's just the way it goes From what I could tell the folks that the reviews that are appearing that are not filtered out are from folks who do a lot of reviewing Oh, and the okay. ones that are filtered out are more um, um, are, are well. There's like one or two that actually look like they've got a review, a lot of reviews, but the other ones look like maybe they just did two or three. Yeah, I think the only way to go on this one, uh, you do not want to sue Yelp. Uh, no. There is no way you're going to get involved in litigation. There are firms out there that help you. I think uh, optimization firms that uh, deal with this, and you're probably going to have to hire one of those. And it may end up costing you thousands of dollars to deal with it, but I don't know what I don't know what other choice you have. Uh, yeah, other than uh, somehow you telling people, "Hey, the, these are all BS reviews," but uh, you know I don't know how they do that because they first go to Yelp and throw your name in there, and the reviews start. And if you've got two positive and two negative, people are going to go; they're going to leave. Right, exactly. exactly. And I don't know how much business you get if people look you up, because I know more and more people do go to Yelp and the Internet. So, I, you know what, even though I don't know of any firm specifically that does that, how can there not be business organizations that help you in those circumstances? Because you tell me that's not a growing explosive field. Which is why I'm calling you, because... Uh seem to be pretty darn knowledgeable. About yeah, well, not a, yeah, a lot, uh, especially about those things that I know nothing about. So uh, <laughs> you now get to do the research and start uh, browsing the uh, Yelp reviews, negative reviews, what can I do about it kind of thing. And I'm sure you're going to pop up some uh, some companies. Make sure, though, when, the, when those companies come up, go to Yelp to find the reviews on them, okay? <laughs> oh, yeah, what else do you do with that one? This is Handle on the Law. And I want to feel something again. I just want to feel something again. How's it going? Won't you help me sober up, growing up and make me know. And I want to feel something again. Won't you help me sober up, all the binkies they got drunk. Stimulating talk, Bill Handel, Saturday morning, 
This is Handle on the Law. Hello, hello. Hello, Mike. Yeah. Bill. Yes. I just sold my manufactured home about, um, never mind about the time frame. Wait a second. Um, you're ta- you're, wait a second. Your manufactured home, are you talking uh, about a trailer? No, a trailer has a hitch on it. This is a manufactured home. It's a manufactured home that you don't drag around. It's uh, one of those that is, uh, it's on its own foundation, and you simply buy it as a manufactured home. It's like any other house, but it just happens to be manufactured in a factory. Is that correct? That's right, but it still has licensing tags, which makes it personal property. They don't consider it real estate. Then it is uh, basically a very, very sophisticated motorhome. Trailer. That's exactly right. With Great. no hitch and no axles. Got it. Got it. How many teeth do you have in your mouth? I have a r- roughly 32. 32? And you own a motorhome or you own a trailer. That is <laughs> impressive, my man. Did you have squirrel soup for dinner last night? <laughs> and I ate my breakfast with a fork this morning. God, that's a shocker. All right, what can I do for you? Well, I just sold it, and uh, my listing agent hasn't been on my site since day one. Um, he basically brought me the escrow papers. Uh, the uh, the buyer, the prospective buyer, came in with forty grand down, and we signed escrow at ninety nine five. Now, who financed the rest? Who how, who was going to come up with the rest of the money? Well, they financed the rest through the broker slash okay financial. All right, business. I got it. So there was financing on the other side. Yes, sir. All right. So what you buy, but the prospective buyers weren't happy with the price. So what the listing agent did was he allowed an appraiser to come in, reappraise the property to drive it down. Wait a second. But you already signed a contract, right? We already signed. And then it's too bad. They can appraise it down to three dollars. It doesn't matter. You have a contract. We had a contract. Fine, you're done. So what? What's your? So what? What's your? Came back to me knowing that I was in financial. Then you say, "Oh, that's different." Okay, now you got a problem because uh, what did, did the broker say? If you don't go down, they're pulling out of escrow. But there was no escrow. The deal is already done. You got your down payment. The finance company has to come up with the finance. It's done. That's so, exactly the way I looked at it. All right, it. so and did you cave? Did you cave? You know what? I copied. What does that because mean? Because I was almost upside down. What do you mean you copied? What is copying? I don't understand what that is. What do you mean? What is that? I photocopied the documents. All right, did you cave in, or are you in the middle of this right now? No, sir. My listing agent knew that I was in it, it painted into a corner. So under duress, I signed it. Ah, you signed. You signed the change. Oh, you got a mess on your hands. So you ch- you signed the change, correct? I had to. I no, didn't you didn't have, have to. I've been unemployed no. for three years. Well, then uh, you know. Here's the problem. You've got a mess on your hands because you are going to have to sue the broker. And you're going to have to sue uh, the buyer because of coercion and duress and probably some kind of a fraud, and you got a mess on your hands. So you're going to win? Maybe, if you can prove it. I mean, he's got all kinds of defenses. Uh, you can say, uh, you know, uh, the, the, I thought the buyer was going to renege. The insurance company or the, the lender was going to renege. They were going to argue fraud on our part because the appraisal was done wrong, and then you can countersue against him. Uh, you got a mess on your hands. I mean, there's no way around it. And by the way, it doesn't matter. He couldn't have stopped it. See, that's the problem you have. If you had said no, he couldn't have stopped you getting your money. 
Yeah, I, I, you know what? I, I'm wet behind the ears when it comes. No, to no, no. You're not wet. No, 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 no. You're not wet. No, no. Yeah. Hang on a minute. You're not wet behind the ears. You're an okay. idiot. You are a moron, and you are an idiot, is what you are. I will never make this mistake again. Good. All right. Oh. You wonder why you, you think he would call me before doing that, and I would tell him to tell them to go pound sand. Drives me nuts. But then again, he's the one that lost money. I didn't. So, it, yeah, there's a silver lining to everything. Hey, Rick, welcome to Handle on the Law. All right. Yeah, my uh, dad remarried, and uh, my mom had an irrevocable trust with him. Uh, what's going to happen, you know, when he passes away? Because he's quite a bit older than this lady he remarried, and he's old. So, well, the, the, everything in the trust uh, is exactly the way it was written when it was written. Ir- irrevocable trust have they ha- they have a very nasty habit of being irrevocable. Uh-huh, and if yeah. you if you look up the word irrevocable in the dictionary, you'll notice that the word irrevocable cannot be revoked is somewhere in the uh-huh. definition. So it doesn't matter what your dad did. Matter of fact, those assets that are in the trust, he doesn't own. Uh-huh. They're owned by the trust, and the trust has right. to be distributed pursuant to the terms that was put in when the when it was written. So uh, what happens? Read your trust. Right. Read the trust, and that's what happens. If he does, he let me read it a few years ago. I never made any copies. Is there any way I can, if he doesn't want to sh- let me look at it, can I somehow hire a lawyer to get it? Uh, uh, probably not. Uh, and uh, but you should have a copy of it. Do you do you know who wrote it? Which lawyer wrote it? Yeah, I do. Then you want to you, you want to contact the lawyer, and you want to okay. say to the lawyer, "I am a beneficiary under this trust. I would like a copy of it." Okay, and you cool. should be you All should right. be able to get that because you are a beneficiary, and uh, there is no question uh, that you have access. The other possibility, even if the lawyer says no, the second your dad dies, then uh-huh. immediately you inform the lawyer saying, "I want a copy of that trust now." And at that point, he has to give it to you, but he should give it to you anyway, being a, a beneficiary. How much money are we talking about, Rick? I'd say with the house and the annuities and stuff, probably about a uh, uh, about seven hundred fifty thousand. Okay, that's worth it. I mean, that's a chunk of money. So it's how old's your dad? Eighty-eight. I'd kill him. <laughs> it's time. You know, you go to dad. You go, dad. You've lived long enough. It's time for you to go. Figure out some clever way of doing him in. And uh, se- I mean, seven hundred fifty thousand dollars now is a lot more valuable than seven hundred fifty thousand dollars five years from now. You could probably use it now. Right, yeah. All right. Well, that's the peace of mind, Bill. Thanks a lot. Okay. All right. Why not? Peace of mind. This is Handle on the Law. Welcome back to uh, KFI AM640. More stimulating talk. Bill Handle here on a Saturday. This is Handle on the Law. Marginal legal advice. Hello, Donna. Hi. Yes, ma'am. Um, my husband and his sister um, um, have a will, and it's 50-50. And there was a house. There was um, furniture in the house. There was 
There's a bank account, but it's not mentioned in the will, and she doesn't want to give him any of that money. All right, well, let's uh, talk about the bank. Let's well, all right. Let's wait, 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 wait. Let's talk about the bank account for a minute. Whose okay. name is who's on that bank account? Who owns that bank account? Okay, she is co-owner. Then she can do anything she wants with that account because especially if it's left out of the will so effectively she owns the bank account now you can argue that uh, half of it goes into the estate and uh, is therefore should be split up amongst all the siblings first of all how much money are we talking about donna Ninety thousand in that account yes okay then that's worth and how many of are you in the will how many uh people are we talking about that's your sister and you, right? No, it's my husband and his sister. You know what? That's worth talking to a lawyer about, probably. Okay. Because uh, what happens is uh, that if she's the co-owner of the account, uh, you know what? It's probably hers anyway. I, You know what? I got to tell you, I can't see how uh, you get out of that, especially if uh, mom uh, didn't put that account into the will, left it out. Uh, then the first question I have is, why Why would mom leave that out and put everything well, else in? Okay, because she, um, five years ago, she started writing checks. We had to keep keep a better eye on her because she did die for dementia. And um, she was writing checks to TV Guide for $700. So someone had to get in there and watch the account. Plus what she was getting in monthly, she was leaving in the savings in the checking account. And the checking account had thousands of dollars. All right. All right. Talk to. I got it. All right. There's enough there. Uh, You want to contact a probate and estate lawyer and at least uh, throw a letter in there and uh, say, okay, we have to start talking now. And once uh, a lawyer writes sis a letter, then she knows that there's more to it than just simply saying, no, I'm not going to write you a check. That's what I would start. So have a consultation with one of our probate and estate lawyers and see what you can do. That's where you go with that. That's what I do. Oh, I got a, you know what? Today I'm getting a lot of questions regarding divorces uh, and at the same time uh, wills and executor business. Hey, Steve, uh, you're up. Let's do try something else here. Welcome to Handle on the Law. Well, thank you. I have a problem. Yeah. My problem is is that I have a timeshare and I have a service dog and the board of directors at the timeshare passed a policy saying that uh, there are only four cabins that are available for service dogs and that uh, I have to use one of those. I don't have a choice of, of where I want to stay. You're talking about four cabins within a complex? Within a, within a, within a complex that has 80 cabins. So do you normally choose which cabin you want? You can. And do do you normally choose, I want cabin 102 versus 308? Bingo, yes. And there is a difference in terms of view and access and all of that business. Uh, there's there's actually a, not only a distance between uh, with regards to view and access, but there is also a difference with regards to the quality of the cabins as well. Okay. Well, that answers that question. Uh, yeah, all right. They're probably they are probably violating the law. 
especially if since uh, there is a difference in quality. If it was all the same, I would argue, come on, they're all the same. So uh, it's just arbitrary that you want one cabin versus another. But in your case, it seems not to be that case. Uh, you, you've got an issue there, or they have an issue, and I would uh, research the law and then send them a letter and simply say, you are in violation of the following laws, and then quote the ordinance or the statute specifically, and if there are any sanctions, which there probably are, saying, and you will be liable for this amount of money, between this and this amount of money. And if you want to, I'll be more than happy to take it to court. And, okay, I, and I probably already have, you've done that? I already have done that. The only problem is is that the laws themselves, that everything that I've been able to find, is very vague in terms of uh, differentiating um, uh, private and public. They're saying what they're saying is is that they are a private entity. Yeah, no, I, and they're where they're exempt from that. All right, you know what? And I don't know the answer uh, with an eighty-unit condo unit, a, a timeshare, and it's one of those where you have to contact an attorney that uh, specializes in discrimination case uh, cases and say, "Do I have a case?" That's it. Uh, do you have any of those on your website? I might. Yep. You want to go uh, and see uh, a discrimination case? I think we do. And uh, just uh, send off an email, explain the situation, say, do I have a case? The good news is that if there is a case, the other side pays attorney's fees. Good. Yeah, statutorily, when any discrimination case is won, uh, then the losing party, the discriminator, gets to pay the attorney's fees of the discriminator, uh, the discriminatee. Hello, Mike. Welcome to Handle on the Law. Yes, driving a motorhome at night down an 11-foot-wide campground road, making a right turn. A car that I did not see was sticking out about a foot, foot and a half into the roadway, scraped the side of the RV, did some damage to his bumper. Whose fault? Oh, I would argue it's his, but uh, who the hell knows? You know, if I'm you, I'm going to argue, uh, you know, you stuck it out there in the middle of the night, and I scraped the car, and he's going to say, have you ever heard of headlights? You didn't see me? So uh, it's a wobbler. Depends on who is looking at it, and depends on who makes the decision. So oh, Okay, it, it, and if, uh, if it was go, turning around a 90-degree uh, turn in the road, he was on the right side, and it was a right turn. Could you not see him uh, with headlights? Way... I have no idea. You're, you're giving me uh, a visual that I can't see, uh, and nor do I want to see, because that's way too much work to try to figure that out. Uh, that could, sounds fine to me. Yeah. Could you have uh, seen him with the headlights? That's all I'm asking. Or is uh, even with your headlights on, you couldn't see him? That's it. And he was just stuck out in the road. Which one is that? It's that one. All right. The then headlight. you got him. Then you got him. Then it's his fault. Okay. All right. Uh, that's what I would argue. Who's at fault? Uh, that's insane, uh, is what that is. This is Handle on the Law.